全国翻译专业资格水平考试指定教材，英语口译综合能力三级，外文出版社有限责任公司出版发行，版权所有，翻录必究。Unit One, Learning and Education, Section A, Statements. Listen to the following short statements and then choose one of the answers that best fits the meaning of each statement. You will hear both the statement and the question only once. One. Around 89% of children aged six to twelve are enrolled in primary education, and this proportion is rising. Two. Not until the 19th century was the concept of education through recreation applied to childhood development. Three. Mary had to leave school because of a lack of financial support instead of time. Four. The goal of a program called the 100,000 Strong Initiative. Is to send students from the United States to China over a four-year period. Five. The modern use of e-learning had grown at fourteen times the rate of traditional learning. Six. A government agency is taking steps to help more than four hundred thousand Nigerians become literate. Seven. Informal learning for young people is an ongoing process that occurs in a variety of places, such as out-of-school time and media labs. Eight. Christy Chivetta is taking Mandarin classes at Beijing's Language and Culture University. Nine. Since money alone won't solve our education problems, reform is also needed. Ten. In most countries, full-time education is compulsory for all children up to a certain age. Section B. True or false? Listen to the following passage. And then decide whether the statements below are true or false. You will hear the passage only once. Special education, methods of provision. A special school is a school catering for students who have special educational needs due to severe learning difficulties, physical disabilities, or behavioral problems. Schools use different approaches to provide special education services to students. These approaches can be broadly grouped into four categories, according to how much contact the student with special needs has with non-disabled students. Inclusion. In this approach, students with special needs spend all or most of the school day with students who do not have special needs. Because inclusion can require substantial modification of the general curriculum, most schools use it only for selected students 
with mild to moderate special needs. Specialized services may be provided inside or outside the regular classroom, depending on the type of service. Students may occasionally leave the regular classroom to attend smaller, more intensive instructional sessions in a resource room, or to receive other related services that might require specialized equipment or might be disruptive to the rest of the class. Mainstreaming refers to the practice of educating students with special needs in classes with non disabled students during specific time periods based on their skills. Students with special needs are segregated in separate classes exclusively for students with special needs for the rest of the school day. Segregation. In this model, students with special needs do not attend classes with non disabled students. Segregated students may attend the same school where regular classes are provided, but spend all instructional time exclusively in a separate classroom for students with special needs. Exclusion A student who does not receive instruction in any school is excluded from school. In the past, most students with special needs have been excluded from school. Such exclusion still affects about 23 million disabled children worldwide. It may also occur when a student is in hospital, housebound, or detained by the criminal justice system. These students may receive one on one instruction or group instruction. Students who have been suspended or expelled. Are not considered excluded in this sense. Section C Multiple Choices. Listen to the following passages and then choose the best answer to each of the following questions. There are three passages in the section, each with five questions. You will hear each passage only once. Passage 1. More universities offer free online courses. Earlier this year, we have attached great importance to the growth of massive open online courses, or MOOCs. These higher education courses are mostly free and, so far, largely in technical areas like computer science. MOOCs are usually open to anyone and can have thousands of students around the world. Entrepreneurs and educators are studying the different business possibilities. One idea is to make money by offering credits or certificates to students willing to pay. Another is to charge employers for connecting them with students who get top scores on online tests. Some top universities are starting to offer their own MOOCs. For example, the University of California, Berkeley announced that it has joined a nonprofit enterprise called edX. Harvard University and the Massachusetts Institute of Technology started edX and have each invested $30 million. This fall, Berkeley will offer two of the seven free courses on the edX platform artificial intelligence and software as a service. 
Berkeley will also work with edX to get more universities involved. Schools that offer courses on the edX platform will be called X universities. MIT professor Anant Agarwal is the president of edX, and he helped develop an electrical engineering course for the fall. He says the goal is to reinvent education worldwide and on campus. Berkeley Chancellor Robert Bergano made similar comments as he expressed a commitment to excellence in online education. He says the goals are to bring higher education to more people and to enrich the quality of campus-based education. And he believes that working with the not-for-profit model of edX is the best way to do that. edX faces four profit competitors. One is Udacity, co-founded by Sebastian Thrun at Stanford University. Another is Coursera, started by two other Stanford computer scientists, Daphne Kohler and Andrew Ng. In fact, some Berkeley professors have been teaching free courses through Coursera. Coursera started with four universities and announced a big expansion for the fall. Passage 2 The Never-Ending Controversy Over Same-Sex Education Should girls go to school only with other girls? Is it better for boys to attend an all-boys school? Educators at School for Girls in Washington, D.C. believe children in classes of the same sex do better. But other experts say there is no real evidence to support that idea. They believe there are other more important things that make a school effective. Excel Academy is the first all-girls school in Washington, D.C. that is independently operated and supported by taxpayers. It was established in 2007 and opened its doors in 2008. The Excel Academy provides free education to children from families without much money. It serves more than 600 girls from preschool, the youngest children, to grade 5. Three meals are served each day. Kay Savage established the school and leads it as its chief executive officer. She says that when boys and girls are taught together, the teachers teach for the boys. She says boys are a little louder and much more active than the girls. In her opinion, that makes girls second-class citizens in their own classrooms and schools. But Gail and Sherwin at the American Civil Liberties Union, the ACLU, disagrees. She says the ACLU thinks that the evidence, in her words, is not really there to support claims that same-sex classrooms produce better results. In her view, similarities between boys and girls are much greater and more relevant than any differences. Certainly any differences that exist are not relevant from an educational standpoint. Elaine Weiss is an education expert at the Economic Policy Institute. She believes other considerations besides same-sex classes have a bigger effect on children's success in school. Ms. Weiss says everything that happens in children's early development is important. This includes how their mother's age and how their mother felt during pregnancy. And she asks whether the child attended a pre-kindergarten program to help get ready for school. Passage 3 
Education First Initiative. Education is hope and dignity. Education is growth and empowerment. Education is the basic building block of every society and a pathway out of poverty. More education means less vulnerability to extreme poverty and hunger, more opportunities for women and girls, more health and basic sanitation, more power to fight HIV, malaria, cholera, and other killer diseases. Indeed, progress on education brings progress on all of the Millennium Development Goals (MDGs). Education First seeks to answer the call of parents everywhere for the schooling their children deserve, from the earliest years to adulthood. Our new global initiative will focus on three priorities. First, we must put every child in school. Every child, regardless of gender, background, or circumstance, must have equal access to education. No society can afford for any child to drop out, be left out, or pushed out. Just one more year of schooling for a girl could increase her future wages by up to twenty percent. Wages which she is more than likely to return to her family and community. This is the virtuous circle we need to create. Second, we must improve the quality of learning. Many children are in school learning very little year after year, and too many young people graduate without the tools and skills for today's job market. We must bridge this gap through stronger skills development and the power of technology. Third, we must foster global citizenship. Education is about more than literacy and numeracy; it is also about citizenry. Education must fully assume its central role in helping people to forge more just, peaceful, and tolerant societies. From here, we must take our message to every continent, every country, in every community. We cannot stop until every child, youth, and adult has the opportunity to go to school, learn, and contribute to society. Section D. Gap filling. Parts of the following text are missing. While listening to the recording, complete the passage by filling in each blank space with an appropriate word or words. There are twenty blanks in this passage. You will hear the passage only once. Lifelong learning and emerging technologies. Lifelong learning is often considered learning that occurs after the formal education years of childhood into adulthood. It is sought out naturally through life experiences as the learner seeks to gain knowledge. For professional or personal reasons, the concept of lifelong learning has become of vital importance with the emergence of new technologies that change how we receive and gather information, collaborate with others, and communicate. As technology rapidly changes, individuals must adapt and learn to meet everyday demands. The emergence of web technologies has great potential to support lifelong learning endeavors, allowing for informal, just-in-time, day-to-day learning. 
Constant change is emerging as the new normal. In order to survive and thrive, organizations and individuals must be able to adjust and enhance their knowledge and skills to meet evolving needs. An understanding of web tools is critical to keeping up with a changing world and the information explosion. The professions, in particular, are recognizing the importance of developing practitioners to be lifelong learners. Nowadays, formal training is only a beginning. Knowledge is accumulating at such a fast rate that one must continue to learn to be effective. Indeed, most professions mandate that their members continue learning in order to maintain their license to practice. Having said this, what are the characteristics or skills that a lifelong learner will need to develop? Reflective learning and critical thinking can help a learner to become more self reliant through learning how to learn, thus, making them better able to direct, manage, and control their own learning process. Dunlap and Grabinger make the case that in order to prepare students in higher education to be lifelong learners, we must develop their capacity for self direction, metacognition awareness, and a disposition toward learning. Section E. Summary Writing. Listen to the following passage. Write a summary of 150 to 200 words of what you have heard. You may take notes while you're listening. You will hear the passage only once. Remarks by the President at Early Education Summit. In my State of the Union address this year, I promise to pull together a coalition of elected officials and business leaders and philanthropists who are willing to help more kids access the high quality preschool that they need. Today, we are delivering on that promise with a new campaign called Invest in Us. I want to highlight a few committed folks in this room because I think it shows how much interest there is in this issue. How much evidence there is behind making the kinds of investments for our kids that we're talking about. So, first of all, you're bringing entire communities together on behalf of children. In Northeast Ohio, for example, Cuyahoga County, the city of Cleveland, local schools, businesses, foundations, and child welfare agencies have all embraced a single plan. To ensure that all three and four year olds have access to high quality education. So today, the Greater Cleveland community is announcing $10.2 million in new investments in early childhood programs. And that's going to make a difference. Susie Buffett is leading an effort that will invest $15 million in Omaha. That's making a difference, bringing folks together. Second, as important as preschool is, you're working to make sure a great education starts even earlier. The George Kaiser Family Foundation reaches out to new parents in Tulsa with a hospital visit before the baby even goes home. After that, they provide parenting classes and literacy programs all the way through a child's third birthday because they believe that every parent can be a teacher and every home can be a preschool. And as a consequence, they're committing $25 million in additional dollars to help achieve that goal. Number three, 
You're supporting early education programs that we already have. So the Foundation for Child Development is working with the New York City Department of Education to help train early learning teachers. Disney is giving away $55 million worth of books and apps for young learners. And judging by trick-or-treating here at the White House this year, if Disney wanted to throw in some of those princesses' costumes from Frozen, that will make a difference. I mean, there were a lot of Elsas. They just kept on coming, sort of non-stop. And finally, you're investing in new, innovative approaches that have the chance to transform the way we teach our children. So thanks to neuroscientists and psychologists and child development experts, we know more about how young minds work than ever before. So we've got the Bezos Family Foundation announcing a $5 million commitment to turn these new insights into new tools for teachers and parents so that our children get the most out of the time and money that we invest in them. And J.B. Pritzker and M.K. Pritzker, their family foundation is committing $25 million to build on cutting-edge research to help our most vulnerable children succeed.